The Islanders and Penguins meet again tonight in Pittsburgh. We have a special crossover episode with Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins. We'll break down Tuesday's game from both teams' perspectives, plus a full preview of tonight's action and a look at where both teams are headed, both this season and for next season. All that and more coming up on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Sark tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special crossover edition of the Locked On Islanders and Locked On Penguins podcasts. I am Gil Martin. He is Hunter Hodes. Hunter, so glad to have you here today. Yeah, it's great to have great to be there, Gil. Obviously, it's great to have you on my show. Um, really weird that that last night was the first time these two teams have played in five months. Um, just very, what a strange season it's been. But um, what a game it was! Very wild, chaotic. Um, I think that's how all Penguin Islanders games have been lately, in their own way. I think outside of the, the Penguins playing the Capitals, the Islanders games are usually the most weird and chaotic. <laughs> Yeah, it's a unique rivalry. There have been so many strange things that happened between these two teams. You can go all the way back to that 1975 playoff series where the Penguins had the 3-0 lead and the Islanders came back to win it in seven. Uh, and then so many different fights and playoff series. and, and don't just bring up that series. That's all I ask. Don't, just don't bring up that series. <laughs> all fair. All fair. <laughs> But here we are, uh, last night. Yeah, I mean, this was a very weird game because if, if you would have told me that the Islanders would have given up four goals to the Penguins and almost allowed 50 shots and they would have won the game, uh, I would have been against that. Uh, bet Online would have given me some pretty good odds. Yeah, you know, the Penguins, they didn't start out the game well. They were really just turning the puck over a lot in the defensive zone. They went up one nothing, but even before that, wasn't really liking just how they were playing in the defensive zone. And then, you know, they give up the three goals. I'm not really going to blame Casey to Smith. I felt like just some of the defensive zone coverage was it, – it's been bad for the last couple of weeks. It reached, I think, a new height last night. But then I really liked how the Penguins played in the second and the third period skill. Um, that was probably some of the best hockey I think I've seen them play in the last week, week to ten days. Um, at least in my opinion. Um, this has been a team that's been really struggling. I don't know if it's just due to – regression. I think the stomach, the stomach bug has been really going around the team. I think a lot of players have been playing sick. I think it's part of it. Not going to say it's a whole thing. I'm not going to make all these excuses, but um, you know, with how they played, even when two of their forwards were lost due to the non COVID illness, um, it was impressive. You know, they racked up almost 50 shots and you know, they tied the game 
going into the third. They even rallied again after the Islanders went up four to three. They got the point. Um, they probably should have won the game in overtime. Usually when teams get four on threes for two full minutes, I would say 90% of the time that team wins in that situation. The Penguins, though, had a really brutal power play. They were definitely, I think, missing of Getty Malkin. But, yeah, just a, definitely a, a weird and, and, and fascinating game, you know, just because with how the Penguins were humming in the offensive zone those final two periods, usually that's good enough, even if they have a period where um, they stink up the joint a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the first period, the Islanders – clearly were the better team for most of it. And then in the second period, it was like the team switched uniforms. It, mm-hmm. it, the Penguins really took over the pace of the game. What, they have 19 shots on goal in the second period? I mean, it was just like the Islanders were standing still and the Penguins were moving. And, and and you know, the whole tone of the game changed. And, you know, it was ironic. You talked about that power play in overtime. Uh I think Casey Sezikis had a better scoring chance than any of the Penguins did on that power play. It was, uh, yeah. it was a strange, strange two minutes of hockey. Other than the Jake Gensel flat-out robbery from Ilya Sorokin yes. from five feet out, I still have no idea how that was not game over right there. What a save. I mean, what a goalie he's turned out to be. Um, there was – yeah, Casey Sezikis had the best chance outside of that because the Penguins yeah. just way too much passing – in that sequence. And, you know, I say this on my podcast all the time, Gil, I am not a shoot it guy that says screams from the seats of the crowd, but you know, you had a four on three there. There's really not much the opposition can do except try to stand there and block shots. You got to put some pucks on that. You can't be just passing back and forth, back and forth. Chris Letang, I felt like for as good as he's been this year, he was pretty dreadful on that power play. Also played this Azegas chance wrong. Um, if he's even, you know, an average crystal tang on that unit, you know, maybe they do win that game. But, <clears throat> excuse me, it was just a really poorly executed power play. Probably one of the worst four on three power plays I've ever seen. Um, and it was definitely weird to see how much the Islanders also had control of the puck in that sequence. Because usually a team is hemmed in their own zone for that long. For I mean, at least for most of the two minutes, the Islanders had the puck for, I want to say, over half of it. Because the Penguins were just screwing up. You know, royally with their, their passes, fanning on them. They weren't taking shots. Um, just a not a good power play there. They, they deserve to lose in the shootout if you can't score um, for a full two minutes on a four-on-three situation. Yeah, I mean, it, it was very unusual. And, and the Islanders, you know, because they don't have a lot of uh, pure skilled goal scorers, they tend to struggle in overtime when it's three-on-three. They tend to struggle in shootouts and yet to emerge with a win there against a Penguins team that has a lot more skilled goal scorers on their roster than the Islanders do. I I was pleasantly surprised uh, that the Islanders were able to pull that off. One one thing that bothered Islander fans, and and I do want to get your take on it, uh, the penalty early in the third period on Bavillier. I don't know which broadcast you were watching, but the replay that I saw, it, it showed that the Penguins player kind of tripped over the puck and that Bavillier's stick didn't really make contact with his skates. I just wanted to, you know, see how you saw it from a Penguins point of view. No, it was that was definitely a, a terrible call, but I'm sure you saw the makeup call. I'm talking <laughs> that was a peak. That was a pathetic call. I mean, I think Mike Sullivan said – um, I'm effing embarrassed for you to the ref when he came over and he just smiled and laughed at him. I'm, maybe he'll get a fine for that. Who knows? Um, I, def- I definitely understood why Islanders fans were booing. 
in that situation, the Penguins, they got a gift goal out of it. What, what can I say? That was a gift. Islanders got a gift right back. I, I knew there was going to be a makeup call. We all did. It would take 10 seconds to get that call. <laughs> um, so really poor officiated uh, sequence there. Honestly, there's a lot of calls that were in the first period, too, that they they made. But then, you know, in the th- even after those two calls made in the third, obvious penalties were not called. And that's playoff officiating. I'm not gonna, I'm not surprised just because there's no consistency with the refs. Um, I wish they could review those penalties. They, they get together, they talk about it, but then they still they keep the same penalty call. So, I, yeah, these people have no idea what they're doing. This is why I always laugh at when people say like, "Oh, there's like some grand conspiracy or something." I'm like, no, these these guys just flat out stink. Well, um, it's, it's a difficult job to try yeah, to, to try just, to keep track of you know 12 players on the ice in yeah. real time from a no replay, no slow motion, no. You know, it is a difficult job. I have to give them credit for the, that fact, at least. But, yeah, the, there are times when you really wish they would do a better job of it. Yeah, it feels like it, to me like it gets worse as each year goes, which shouldn't even be possible to me because, you know, these are some of the best of the best. And, you know, there's so many debates with officiating. You know, I could probably spend an hour talking about that. But, <laughs> I do agree. You know, it's a very hard sport to officiate. I just, you know, in those kind of situations, go to a replay monitor, look at it. You want to reverse the call, make it, make, get it right. You know, I know replay at times has taken over a lot of sports and sometimes it's too much. I think in that situation, um, you got to get it right because, you know, for as much as it benefited the Penguins, it did, but it got us at least a point. Um, it, it's still that they should not have gotten a gift goal out of that. Yeah, no, I mean, and, you know, to me, the important thing is consistency. You know, if you let something go, let it go all game. If you call it, call it all game. But each officiating team, they have to set a standard and they have to stick to that standard. And the players, you would think, okay, this guy is, is one of the referees tonight. I know how he calls a game. I have to react accordingly. It shouldn't be that complicated, should it? I mean... I am. I mean, like for me, you know, just just call the rule book. I think that that's my my clean my clearest take on that. If it's a penalty, you call it. You don't just ignore blatant things that are right in front of you because oh the score, oh a team has more power plays than the other or anything like that. I I can't stand that part um, of if, of officiating. You know, if something happens, you just call. I just I want there to be more consistency, and I do think the players would adjust to those to that situation. At least that's just how that's how I see it. I, I agree. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Like you said, we could talk for hours exactly. about officiating. And, and and again, I do respect the fact that they do have a difficult job. We have got a lot more to get to on this special crossover edition of Locked On Penguins and Locked On Islanders. We'll talk a little bit about the Penguins playoff prospects and what the Islanders need to do to get back to the playoffs next year. Plus, uh, we'll look ahead to tonight's game or the Thursday night game between these two teams in Pittsburgh. But first... Uh, today's episode is brought to you by your friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. And hey, Stanley Cup playoffs just around the corner as well. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. So, Hunter, uh, 
I mean, they ha- they could have clinched last night had they won in regulation, but what the magic number, I assume, is one point now as far as... Uh, it's it's three, but it, or, uh, any kind of win by the Penguins tomorrow um, gets them in, or thir- yeah, obviously you know, Thursday, whenever you're listening to this. Um, right. Any, any kind of win for the Penguins on Thursday gets them in. Um, if the Penguins do not win that game, uh, they still basically just need one win down the stretch. The Islanders have 10 games left. I've seen their schedule. They play, I think, some of the best teams in the league for most of them. Um, they just need one win or one Islanders loss, and you know that will do it. Unless, of course, again, they don't win on Thursday. But the easiest situation, Gil, is just to win the game. <laughs> that, that's very true. What I mean, the Penguins have looked very good at times this season. At other times, you're like, what happened? Uh, what will it take this Penguins team to be able to go on a long playoff run? And obviously getting Gino Malkin back will help. But beyond that. Yeah, I just I think I, I do want to see more consistency in the defensive zone. You know, a lot of the plays, especially in that game last night, and it was it's it's carried over into these games against the Islanders. You know, a lot of these zone exits are just they're chipping it off the glass and just praying that the opposition is not going to jump up, take it down, and keep it on, in the offensive zone, or just you know, slot, go against the boards and keep it in. Um, I'm not seeing enough good defensive play in their own zone. There's just a lot of chaos that you know the goaltenders are, are having to build the skaters out a lot more. I mean, Casey DeSmith, I know he gave up four goals in 65 minutes. And then of course the shootout goal to Kyle Palmieri, but it could have been a lot more. He made some ridiculous saves. I think one of them, um, Beauvillier hit the post. Uh, um, Brock Nelson, I think was flat out robbed. Um, you know, he, he kept them in that game, even when it was three to one, heck even four to three um, in the third period. Heck, he also kept it a tie game when it was four to four. So, you know, it's just the Penguins have to play better defensively if they want to, you know, go far. And also, you know, starting goaltender-wise, Tristan Jari, he has regressed a little bit these last couple of weeks. I do think part of it is because of his workload. This is the most he's ever played in a season. He is um, one of the league leaders and the most amount of starts for a goaltender. That's why I wasn't surprised that Casey DeSmith got the start on Tuesday because they want to give him the, the rest down the stretch so that he can – go back to his normal self from what we've all seen over most of the season. Um, And if he can get back to that level, I think the Penguins definitely have a a good shot at winning, you know, at least around, hopefully going on a deep run here. Um, They need him to outplay whatever goalie they face, whether it's Igor Shosturkin, whether it's, you know, Frederick Anderson, if Carolina slides down, whether it's Sergei Bobrovsky down in Florida, Um, you know, the depth scoring has to be there. I think for the most part, um, lately it's, it's, it's been better. You know, Danton Heinen got his 15th goal of the season last night. Jeff Carter is closing in on 20 goals. Um, you know, this is a very deep team, but you know, can they continue to get offense when Sidney Crosby and Kenny Malkin are not on the ice? I think that's another big key for me as well. You know, the special teams, they've been really good all year, especially the penalty kill power play has been fine outside of, you know, mainly last night and the overtime, but you know, those are the main things that I'm looking at here. Um, for the Penguins if they want to go on a deep run here this year. You know, you talk about Jerry, and and look, he didn't have the strongest performance in last year's playoff series. Uh, I'll be diplomatic. He 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 was he was not the he was not a strong part of that. It's a nice way of saying it. Yeah, I'm being nice. I'm being. Yeah, nice. I know. But uh, how much confidence do you have that he will be ready? Because the first two-thirds of the season, he really looked like he had taken his game to another level. You mentioned the workload, that he seems to be 
regressing a little bit in the last few weeks. Will he be ready for the playoffs? Well, the Penguins better hope so. Um, you know, and you're right. For the most part this season, he's been one of the five to ten best goaltenders in hockey. It's only really been recently that his save percentage has dipped down a little bit. I mean, I think it was about a month, month and a half ago, he was at a 929 save percentage. You know, right now it's dipped down, I think, below 920 just because of this. You know, it's been a rough month for him just because he's been playing so much. And also because Casey DeSmith was not playing at a high level. Now that he's turned his game around a lot and, you know, going into that Tuesday game, they had actually won two of his last three starts. That's allowing, you know, Mike Sullivan to put Casey, you know, in starts that usually Tristan would have. So, again, you know, the Penguins – they better hope he plays at a high level. Um, they, they have no choice. I mean, I've usually long said that they need average goaltending to win the playoffs, and they will be fine. Usually that's the case, but again, if they do, if the New York Rangers are their opponent, and right now that's still looking like the most likely one, if Washington passes them, that's a different story. But he's going to have to uh, try to outplay Yorsha Sterk, and that's going to be a very tall task considering how good he's been. Um, you know, they, they can't have close to a performance in what we saw last season he was the main reason why they lost that series you look at the underlying numbers and everything score effects um i thought the penguins for the most part were the better team they just they did not get the goaltending Ilya Sorokin gave them the goaltending and i think that was the the main difference at least from my perspective but um no it's gonna that's the big question you know you write a redemption story in the playoffs that's how i see it and he's gonna have his shot here in three weeks no question. And that's, you know, if he does well, that's a, a big step forward for his career. If he doesn't, what is his future with Pittsburgh? It becomes a whole different kind of a question. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you're going to have the same questions that the whole fan base had going into, you know, this past offseason. You know, are they going to go out and get a goalie? You know, or are they going to go trade him? You know, what, what's going to happen? Because, you know, his contract is going to be up, I think, after, I think it's after next season. And for the way he's going right now, he, you know, he will be in line for a raise, but, you know, that's also, it comes down to how does he play when the stakes are, are the highest? And, you know, we're going to about to find that out really soon. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited in a way. I'm also, of course, very nervous in a way. Um, they they got to they gotta get at least average to above average goaltending if they want to win. No question about that. So, uh, Let's talk a little bit about the Islanders, what what they need to do to try to get back into the uh, playoffs. You know, if you take away that 0-8-3 slump in November and December, which was largely because of the fact that they were playing without seven, eight, sometimes even nine players at a time with COVID, the Islanders would be fighting for one of those last playoff spots. Uh, yeah. the, the, you know, I just hope that you know, they're going to be a year older. This is not a young Islanders team. I, I got to hope that, you know, they have another season or two in them with this current roster and that that Lula Amarello is able to tweak that roster a little bit. You know, you talked before about Pittsburgh and their transition game, getting out of their own zone and, and, and uh, transitioning from defense to offense. That was a problem for the Islanders, especially earlier in the year. They miss Nick Letty. Uh, you know, Zidane Chara took his spot in the lineup, but Zidane Chara at this stage in his career, especially is not going to skate the puck out and he's not a great puck moving defenseman. Mm-hmm. They need to add that. And then the other thing the Islanders obviously need is another goal scorer, which, uh, 
you know, this team, Matthew Barzal is a great skater and he's a good passer, but he's not a shoot first kind of guy. So if Lou Lamarello, I think, can make those two tweaks, you know, pandemic situation where half their lineup is unavailable for, yeah. for a game. I, I think this team can can come back. But uh, what are your thoughts about, you know, you've seen the Islanders both earlier in the season and and now. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, they've been, they've been playing a lot better recently. I mean, I, they were well behind Columbus, and then all of a sudden they passed them with all those games in hand. I think their main problem this year, at least I, I think I saw a stat going into last night's game, they're eight and thirty-three and two, or something against some of the some of the. I think no, not eight, eight and twenty-three and two against some of the playoff teams. I think overall Western Eastern Conference. I mean, even if they win like close to half of those games, I feel like they're 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 right there fighting for that spot. I, mean, I think I also saw a couple Islander people say if it weren't for this zero and five and one road trip earlier on in the season where they where they don't only where they only get one out of I think twelve points. You know, they would be right there right now. So, you know, obviously you have the head coach in place, Barry Trotz. I respect him a lot. He's right out there with Mike Sullivan and John Cooper for the top three best coaches in the league. I mean, you can certainly argue Barry Trotz is a better coach than him. It's all about just what do you think their strengths and weaknesses are. Ilya Sorokin's incredible. We all know that firsthand. We've seen that too too much, you know. But I think the biggest question for them, Gil, you know, I know Lou Amarello talked about this at the deadline. You know, we want to make hockey trades to get better. That's the way we're going to do it. But these scores, they don't, you know, come on, come off trees. You know, you're going to have to give to get. And is Lou Amarello prepared to give up a significant asset or a couple assets in return for a score? I think that's going to be my big question. You know, Bar- Barzal, you know, he's had a little bit of a down year, I guess. But I still think, you know, when he's on, there aren't many players better than him. Anders Lee is one of the best net front presences in hockey. Brock Nelson has really come out this year. You have a great top pairing with Pelican Kulak. Noah Dobson, I think, is going to be a mainstay on that blue line for many years to come. There's a lot of pieces, um, I think, to like there. It's all a matter of, you know, tweaking, you know, maybe the bottom six, the fringes of that roster. And if he can get a, a good score or two, um, I said this previewing that the game on Tuesday, I have the Islanders probably getting back to the playoffs next year if, if they make the right moves. I, I really – do believe that. Um, I know they're still mathematically alive, but I mean, are they really going to come back from 15 points down with 10 games to go? Uh, that would be, uh, I think, uh, if we're for those that listen to Lock on Islanders pods that are New York Mets fans, that is a Mets level collapse, I think, from what we've seen a long time ago. So um, very unlikely, but I think that's what I see personally um, with the Islanders. Yeah, they're a bit older, but they, there's still some pieces here. But I, th- I do think they need to go out and get another score or two because I think when they went to the conference final those two years in a row, what doomed them was that they didn't have that other game breaker. Um, and I think if they get that, um, they're going to be even – I think they're going to be pretty scary. I, I agree, and it's always great to get, you know, another perspective, uh, someone who, who knows their hockey like you do, so greatly appreciated. We are going to take a little look at uh, – Thursday's game between the Islanders and the Penguins, the scene now shifting to Pittsburgh. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm assuming we see Jerry uh, in goal for Pittsburgh, and I'm assuming it'll probably be Varlamov for the Islanders. 
I, w- I was going to ask you about this because Sorokin, he came, I think he was coming back from an injury, if I'm not mistaken, obviously played that Tuesday game. Is he is Varlamov expected to go? Have they been rotating the goaltenders a bit? But yeah, you will see Tristan Jari, I'm pretty sure, for this one. Yeah, I mean, it's not 100% certain, but I would think Varlamov, uh, it, it will be his turn. And, you know, like you said, the, they are mathematically alive, but realistically, uh you know, they're not going to make the playoffs this year, barring a complete collapse. And, you know, Varley has been playing well for the most part as of late. And I expect with the schedule being compressed that they do have another game Friday, uh, it would make more sense to to rotate the two goalies. So, Oh, that's right. I almost forgot that. I believe you you guys play the, the Canadians on Friday. And yeah. Then you go to Toronto on Sunday. So, yeah, I forgot that it is a back-to-back situation so um yeah I, I guess that would make sense i think it, it maybe in a way it helps pittsburgh that they're not playing sorokin again but you know either goaltender is going to be a challenge um for the penguins but yeah it, it's probably going to be tristan jury in um injury wise i mean there's really no injuries knock on wood for now we just have to see if uh brian ross and evan rodriguez are good to go there has been a massive stomach bug going around the penguins lately um i'm pretty sure over half the team has been sick or been playing through it you know as i said earlier it's maybe a small reason why they have been playing as better, but you know I think a good chunk of it is just you know they're not the, the details haven't been there. What do the Penguins need to do better mm-hmm. Thursday that they didn't do on Tuesday to come away with the W? Yeah, I, I think you know how they played in the final two periods. Honestly, you know they were limiting the scoring chances in those two periods a, a bit more. Sure, there was some chaos in the defensive zone at times, which will need to be cleared up. But, you know, they were still limiting chances a lot better, you know, those last two periods. I think going into the third, the Islanders only had four to five high danger chances when I checked out natural um, sat tricks. So the Penguins are doing a good job with that. But, you know, it's, it's all a matter of, you know, especially in the first period, you know, not, you know, allowing the Islanders to convert, you know, on some of these really good chances. Because, you know, that second goal that they scored was the shorthanded one when Jean-Gabriel Pajot made everyone look very foolish. Um, the the back checking was really not there. The Penguins have to be much better in that regard. Mark Freeman was not nearly as aggressive as he should have been on that opening goal. Um, and then the third one, you know, just Teddy Bluger passing it right to Josh Bailey, basically being a double agent in that regard. And that's a one-timer that, you know, any player will probably bury hundred percent of the time. It's all about, you know, just, you know, cutting back on the dumb mistakes because I really feel like there's just been a lot of, I guess brain rot is the word from the Penguins in their play recently. If they can cut down on that, I really feel like they'll have a good shot at winning this game because they were very close in that Tuesday game. I felt like at least the overtime, they probably deserved a better fate if they actually had a good working power play. But once they got to a shootout, um, honestly, I could have turned the game off and I knew they were going to lose because of how awful they are in shootouts this year. It looks like they don't even try. Um, but those, you know, that's the main thing that I'm looking for. Um, for the Penguins there. And also, you know, I guess for, for special teams, you know, continue to, you know, like penalty kill continues to kill penalties and then the power play, if they can be more consistent and not just look to overpass, um, I, feel, I feel like the Penguins can come away um, with this win. So I liked a lot of what they did in that Tuesday game, but there are some still bad habits that I want out of their game. From an Islanders perspective, they've got to cut down on the shots allowed. I mean, you, you're not going to win too many games giving up 47 47- shots on goal, even if there are an extra five minutes in a game. So 
slowing down the Penguins through the neutral zone, I think Pittsburgh had a lot of room to maneuver, especially in the second and third periods, and, and just making smarter plays in their own zone. I mean, the, the Islanders did struggle to clear the puck for the last 40 minutes of the game. I, I think that was a definite issue as well. Uh, surprisingly, because the Islanders don't do this often, they did have a lot of shots. I think they had 37 shots on goal mm. in the game. They've got to keep doing that. You know, I'm also not one of those people who think you should always shoot the puck. The team have a lot of guys who never shoot the puck or, or very rarely shoot the puck. So, you know, if you listen to, to my podcast, I am often saying, you know, don't let the perfect play get in the way of the good scoring chance. You know, if you've got a good scoring chance, take it instead of trying to make that perfect pass to get the the elite scoring chance because, you know, more often than not, you're not going to get it. Uh, so, you know, those are sort of the factors I think the Islanders need uh, in, in order to uh, to get another two points tonight. It won't be easy. Pittsburgh, a good team, and and a road trip is always a little tougher than playing at home. Yeah, and, you know, I think the Penguins are going to be really motivated to win this game just to get the clinching out of the way. You know, a, a lot of these games right now, just because of the standings, they don't mean much. I, it feels weird to say it with two and a half weeks to go and you're not in the playoffs yet, but you kind of basically are. But at the end of the day, you know, you look at the gap from, you know, the eighth to the ninth place team or heck, even third to fifth in the Metro. And, you know, the games, they, they don't matter as much. It's mainly just, you know, fine-tuning your play, getting ready for the playoffs when the games really start to matter. That said, you know, I, I want to see a lot more from the team here down the stretch. You know, it continues with this game. You know, they're playing a team that's been better um, than their record, at, at least right now. So really curious to see how the Penguins come out um, in this one because you know, the crowd's going to be behind them. I'm sure it's going to be, you know, the crowds have been all right at PPG. You know, I think they've known for a while that the team will make the playoffs, but I'll be curious to see if, you know, they, the, you know the diehards really come out. Um, for this one, you know, you know it's, it's funny, you know, the Penguins, that when they get that, a good scoring chance, they 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 sometimes try to Harlem Globetrotters it. A lot of times it does not work out. And I'm just like, all right, just shoot the puck in those situations, especially on like odd man rushes. They'll always try to force a pass to make it look so good. I'm like, take the shot that's right there. A lot of times you will beat the goaltender. It's just, I, I don't know, something that has to work with that. No question about it. All right. Well, thanks for making Locked On Penguins and Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Hunter, I want to thank you for doing this crossover episode. Always fun. Want to wish you and the Penguins good luck the rest of the way. And uh, thanks again. We'll do this again probably next year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Curious to see what the Islanders do in the offseason, unless they somehow make the playoffs and a team loses 10 or 11 in a row to end the year and the Islanders win all their games. But more likely, we'll probably we'll definitely do another one of these next season. That will do it for this special crossover edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We will be back tomorrow with our key takeaways from today's game and a full preview of all of this weekend's action. The Islanders have games in Toronto and Montreal. Until then, have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.